0: All right, good morning, everybody. It's good to see all your beautiful faces. For those joining online, it's good to have you together as we worship this morning. Uh, this morning, I was just reminded of um, Matthew 19. And, and in it, there's the story of when people are bringing their children to Jesus to be blessed. And I'm just going to read it this morning. And and it says, Then little children were brought to Jesus for him to place his hands on them and pray, but the disciples rebuked them. And Jesus said, Leave the little children alone and don't try to keep them from coming to me. Because the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. And after placing his hands on them, he went from there. And I'm reminded of so often, I don't know about you guys, but I feel like a little kid. And there's so many times where I'm reminded, okay, I am a child of God. And this morning as we jump into worship, the truth is we're all just children. We're children of the Most High God. And so this morning as as we jump into worship, I feel like the word is just, let's just come. Let's come. And, and worship together, let's come and spend time praising the King, let's come together and rejoice because of who He is. So God, we thank you so much that you are here. We thank you that we are your sons, we are your daughters. We thank you that you are a good, good Father. And this morning as we worship you, we thank you that we can just come and worship you. So let's, let's stand together and let's worship our Father. Psalm 150, praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with the trumpet sound. Praise him with the lute and harp. Praise Him with the tambourine and dance. Praise Him with the strings and pipes. Praise Him with the sounding cymbal. Praise Him with the loud clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. We're, we're going to sit here for a couple of minutes and we're going to sing that again, but... I'm just feeling that there's so many times that we, we come to church or we go about our lives and, and, and we kind of expect things to look a certain way, right? We come to church and we're like, well, we're going to sing a few songs and then someone's going to speak. But at the heart of it, at the base of it, God wants our heart. God wants all of us. And, and whatever your weeks look like, whatever is going on, I actually feel that there's this call right now to just, to just surrender, to just let go, to just worship with whatever you have and give him whatever you can bring. And so as we sing that again, I just want to encourage you where, where you are, where you're sitting, where whether you're at home, wherever your heart's at, just give God your heart as we sing this again. Jesus I thank you that you are always moving I thank you that you are good I thank you that you see every single one of us and I thank you that you care God I thank you I thank you that you are reaching out and touching people. I thank you that pain is leaving bodies. I thank you that through a touch from you, minds can change. I thank you that a touch from you in lives can change. I thank you that a touch from you in relationships can change. I thank you for what you're doing. I thank you for what you've done. And I thank you for what you're going to continue to do. In your great name. Amen. Our very own Jim Donater is speaking this morning. Um, so I want to give him time to do that. Um. I love this couple. They're incredible. They've been part of so many of our lives for so many years, um, and have deposited and planted so many things, uh, into so many of us. Um, and I'm excited to hear what Jim has this morning. Uh, so let's give him, I don't know if we do this very often. Let's just give him a
1: hand. Thank you. So God has created us, and he understands every bit about how we work and about what's good for us. It's such an interesting thing. We come in with a time of worship, and sometimes we think, okay, 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 what was that all about? But I got to tell you something. Uh, We were created to worship him. And, and it's an interesting thing because he actually doesn't need it. God is complete in and of himself. There's no part of his ego that needs stroking. Right. Yeah. Frankly, us thinking he's great isn't that big of a deal to him anyway. <laughs> he's not looking for our approval. But the truth is that when we worship him, we are changed. Yeah. When we get close to him, when we get a glimpse of his glory, we are changed. And so he, he inhabits the praises of his people. What does that mean? That means that when we praise him, we do get to glimpse his glory. We get to come closer to him in that time, and we are changed by it. It's good for us to worship isn't that interesting? I mean we we don't worship because we're looking for something. It's actually the truth of recognizing who he is and how 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 incredible he is and we only get like that much of it. That changes us inside. And it's amazing that we get the opportunity to do that and to grow in that. So last time I, I, I spoke here I actually shared a testimony and I kind of walked you through some, some bits of my spiritual journey in my life and, um, and a part of that was I, I told you the importance the, the critical importance in my life of sort of two foundational truths the first being that God is good right and, and every time I ever get up here I'm going to say it at least once That God is good. God is good whether we can see it or whether we can't see it. And it has to be settled. We just have to know that bedrock absolutely settled. So when we can't see it, we know that's because we're not seeing. Not because he's not good, but because we're just not seeing it. And when we know that, when we're so clear on that, then we can actually ask him to show us what's going on. Right? Because we're, it's settled. You are good. I don't get this. Hmm, that's because I don't get it. Okay, then I'm open to learning. So that's one. Every time I ever get up here, you're going to hear that. I'm sorry, but I'm not. The other thing, though, that's so important to me, and I realize that, you know, uh, I, I don't speak here that often, right? Three or four times a year, maybe. And like a year and a half ago, I came up here and I spoke on the power of words. And yet, as I was preparing and asking God what he wanted me to share on, it came all the way back to words again. And I thought, hey, this is great because Mark always preaches the same sermon. I can do it too. And uh, it's not at all true, by the way, but the fact is that There are things that God has given each of us that just burn within us, and a piece of that's just for me, but there's some of it that spills over, and I'm going to share it with you. And so, I'm going to ask that you you, uh, open your, your hearts and your ears yet again, and Lord, that you would open our hearts, that you would open our ears, that you would open our souls and our spirits to hear from you this morning. Um. So the other major factor in my life, you know, the other big thing has to do with words and has to do with the tongue. And so I just thought, you know, isn't it interesting that God has, has, has put this as a, as a again, an uh, uh, impetus, a push in my life to come and share this with you at this time. So I'm going to be talking about our tongue. I'm going to be talking about words. A little less about maybe the power of them than I, than I have before. But uh, about being careful. Because we are at an odd, odd time. You know, in here, we have some really incredible things happening. The Lord is, is calling us higher. He's calling us into some things. He's, he's, he's birthing things. Um, he's training us, right? He's training us training our hands for war. But out there, things are kind of less comfortable for the church than maybe they've been in the last 30 or 40 years, 50, 60, 70, somewhere in there. And so there's this part of us that sort of gets uh, even angry about what's going on. And when we get angry, uh, there's there's an interesting little scripture. It says that the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Do you know that? So when we respond out of anger, it's not righteousness. It doesn't produce righteousness. Anger cannot produce righteousness. Now, it's not to say that we'll never get angry. And it's not to say that there aren't injustices and and things out there that shouldn't, you know, spur something in us. But it is to say that that's not how we react. In fact, everything Jesus did, he did out of love. So if we're not responding out of love, we're already kind of off track. And so... I think at a a time like this when we recognize the power that we want to have in our words, the authority that we want to carry to speak forth God's will into the earth, we have to be really, really aware of what spirit we are in. Remember how Jesus said, To the disciples, when they said to him, Hey, shall we call down fire on those people who were disagreeing with him? And he said, Whoa, you do not know what spirit you are of. Right? He said, I'm not asking you to call down fire. I'm not asking you to rail against. We need to be coming from a position of love. So, once again, uh, we're going to start, Michelin, we're going to read James. Chapter 3, the the whole first half of it. This, I I told you last time, this is sort of my life chapter. And it starts, it's pretty funny, when I stand up here and read the first two verses. So here we go. Dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church. (laughs) For we who teach, teach, will be judged more strictly And I got to tell you right now, uh, this is not the only place where teaching in the church happens. Teaching happens when we stand and have a conversation in the foyer. Teaching happens when we're praying with one another. And we who teach are actually opening ourselves up to a higher level of accountability. That's what the scripture says. Indeed, we all make many mistakes for if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. Now, you know that uh, the tongue, this is something, okay, this is something called a metonymy, okay? Um, it's a figure of speech where we use one word to, refer, to, to apply to something else, right? It's like saying, you know, a proclamation came from the White House today. Well, it's not like the White House has a mouth and made a proclamation, right? It means that, that it, you know, the president or the, the president's office, you know, etc. And so when we talk about the tongue in scripture, virtually every time we're actually talking about the words that we say. seems obvious, but let's, let's make it clear. So if we could control our tongues, we'd be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. We can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth and a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go even though the winds are strong. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches. But a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire And among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It's a whole world of wickedness, corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it's set on fire by hell itself. (laughs) Okay, so James has a thing here going on about our tongues, right? And about our words, and about what kind of a fire we can start by careless use of our tongues, by careless speech, by cursing by proclaiming doom, by being mean. People can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. So is there any hope here? Well, it's interesting because what was the first word of verse 7? People. People can't do it. People can't tame the tongue. It's restless and evil, full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the very image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. Does a spring of water bubble out with both fresh water and bitter water? Does a fig tree produce olives or a grapevine produce figs? No, and you can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. So, it seems pretty clear that there's a, there's a big divide between the kinds of things that should come out of our mouths and the kinds of things that often do come out of our mouths. And, and honestly, James says, this should not be. Okay, so this is not, we're not doomed to this, by the way. Just because people can't tame the tongue, that does not mean that the Spirit of God cannot tame the tongue. And what happens is, once again, and I, you know, at at the risk of boring you by saying the same things over and over again, I'll say again, fruit is produced by a tree. You don't get fruit off of a tree by jamming the tree full of fruit. You get fruit off of a tree by planting it in good soil, watering it, making sure it has nutrients and sunshine, and then fruit is produced. What comes out of your tongue isn't because you're going to control it. It's going to be produced by your life. It's going to be because you're planted in good soil. It's going to be because you are spending time with the Lord. You're spending time worshiping him, getting that glimpse of his glory, bathing in it. Forget a glimpse. Let's have the whole earth filled with his glory. The knowledge of the glory of God cover the whole earth like the waters cover the sea. And then what will be produced? Good fruit. So I don't want to guilt anybody off of, you know, oh, shoot, I'm really bad at this stuff. You know, I'm always spouting off and saying things that I regret or things that probably I should regret but don't. Um, <laughs> I, I'm just telling you, look at that. Look at your words, look what comes out of your mouth, and just kind of use them as a gauge. Right. How am I doing? Hmm, not so good. Okay, <laughs> Lord, <laughs> I, I, I'm, I need to be transformed by you. Because I'll tell you what, it says right here, you can't control it. Right. Caught that, right? So I'm not asking you to control your tongues. I'm asking you to be aware. And I'm asking you to submit them to the Spirit of God. And, I, and I'll tell you, it, it will change. Kayleen's got something to say.
0: Problem is I don't know the point of what you're going to say. And so if I ruin his point, sorry, we can all go home early. But... Uh, <laughs> <Go girl. laughs> I just remember a time, and I just happened to be in the same room as someone asked a question of Mark. And he responded, uh, "Well, the reason I speak in tongues so much is the tongue is a rudder, the, and the rudder shows. The rudder steers and points in the direction that it will go. And so, when I'm speaking in tongues, I'm submitting my tongue to the Lord. And so that c- kind of changed my life and my perspective and my willingness to actually yield my tongue to the Lord and speak in tongues." whenever and wherever. And, um, yeah. Can I have a drink of water?
1: <laughs> so that's what this is really all about. Just so you <laughs> actually that, that wasn't where I was going to go. So that's good. Uh, and, and actually let me, let me just go a little further with that because, uh, this is actually really important. Sometimes you're asked to say something. Ever had, a? An argument with a uh, spouse? Yeah, now, I don't know this from experience necessarily. <laughs> but I've heard. Um, y- you know, when, when Gaylene and I are not agreeing on something, um, I could be really cutting with my tongue if I give in to my natural impulses. So what often happens is I will actually start praying in tongues instead of answering back because the only answer back I have I'm well aware is not going to be helpful. (laughs) And it's true because two things happen. First, I don't say that thing that I would have really regretted and perhaps would have had long-term consequences even because I'll tell you what, you stab somebody and it takes a while to heal and sometimes there's a permanent scar and that can happen with our words too. The second thing that happens of course is that I'm now submitting the control over my tongue to the Holy Spirit and that tends to have a different effect even on my mind and, I, and, and pretty quickly I, I stop playing with the well, I oughta just kinds of thoughts and, and they're gone. So there is a thing about, about our tongue even declaring, as, as Galene just said, just, you know, changing the rudder, changing the direction. Um, Proverbs have a lot to say about our words. And when I was kind of putting this together, I found no fewer than like 65 different verses that we could go through together. And decided that that's probably not overly profitable uh, all in one shot on a Sunday morning. So I'm going to suggest you should all just read the Proverbs. And that's, that'll be good for you. Do you know that there are 31 of them? It's really cool because there's 31 days in a month. And for a number of years, I would just read the proverb of the day every day. It allows you to go through the Proverbs 12 times in a year. Uh, not quite, but I would, I would add a couple on the end on the day, on the months that didn't go to 31. Uh, just a, a really good exercise for you if you care to take it on. Galen tells me I'm not allowed to give people assignments. Okay. Can I can give them that one, she says. Okay. So here we go. Proverbs 12, and we're going to jump around a little bit. Verse 6. The words of the wicked are like a murderous ambush, but the words of the godly save lives. Verse 13. The wicked are trapped by their own words, but the godly escape such trouble. Wise words bring many benefits, and hard work brings rewards. Verse 17. An honest witness tells the truth. A false witness tells lies. Some people make cutting remarks, but the words of the wise bring healing. By the way, if you're really good at cutting remarks... The implication is you're not wise. Did you know that? So cutting remarks can sometimes be clever from an intellectual point of view, but they are never wise. Truthful words stand the test of time, but lies are soon exposed. Verse 22, the Lord detests lying lips, but he delights in those who tell the truth. The wise don't make a show of their knowledge, but fools broadcast their foolishness. 25. Worry weighs a person down. An encouraging word cheers a person up. Let's go to Proverbs 13. Just a couple of verses here. Verse 3. Those who control their tongue will have a long life. Opening your mouth can ruin everything. <laughs> oh. Actually, if you go back to Proverbs 10, verse 19, it says, Too much talk leads to sin. Be sensible and keep your mouth shut. (laughs) You know, we, we live in a culture today that wants us to air our opinions about everything. We have social media sites that exist for no other purpose than for you to air your opinions broadly and widely. Which gives you a really weird sense that your opinions matter, first of all. And then anybody else actually cares, secondly. And it's such an odd thing because scripture actually tells us directly that we're just better off to be quiet, frankly. And let me me go a little further because opinions aren't the same thing as facts. And I'm gonna read some scripture here that kind of talks about this. This is an amazing thing. Why should you even have Many of your opinions. Do you know that when somebody asks you whether, what's your opinion on whether there are or are not, I'm going to go way back because I want to choose something that's not currently going to push your buttons, okay? Because uh, I don't know who's where on current events, so I'm going to go way back. So once upon a time, the U.S. invaded Iraq looking for weapons of mass destruction And I remember how disturbed I was listening to talk radio and them asking people for their opinion on whether there were or were not weapons of mass destruction in Iraq. This is not a matter of opinion. This is a matter of fact, and you don't know them. It's that simple. How many things today are matters of fact that you don't know and you're being asked to spout off about them? There's no wisdom in spouting off about things you don't know. Oh, but I do know. How do you know? Well, I read, oh great, from someone else who doesn't know. And who also has an opinion. And we got to be a little careful as Christians who want to have authority in our words. Okay, this all comes back to what do we want to do? If I want to be able to speak God's will into the earth and have it happen. Right. He's not going to give me that authority if, if the next moment I'm going to speak something into the earth that he doesn't want to happen. And so, and, and I'm telling you, when you look at some of, of scripture, you can see. When Moses hit the rock, and I'm sorry for those of you who don't know the story, the fact is Moses was told one time to hit a rock and water was going to come out for the people. And the next time he was told to speak to the rock, it's very important that he not hit it and he speak to it. It all has to do with pictures and prophetic things around Jesus dying once on the cross and that kind of thing. Okay, But Moses was angry. And so he smacked the rock. And what happened? Well, the water came out because he had the authority even though he did it wrong, the intended outcome still happened. And yet, there was consequence for doing it wrong. And I want to tell you, I in my life, I want the authority to be able to speak healing over someone. And have that healing happen. Absolutely. I want to be able to speak peace into a situation and have peace come into that situation. But God won't give me the authority to do that if at the next breath I'm going to speak a curse for the guy who cut me off in traffic. Because if he gave me that authority, what just is going to happen to that guy? And so, until there's a, until there's a level of, of, of consistency and control... We actually can't have that authority. You know, I read in scripture where Peter's shadow fell on people and they were healed. Do you know what authority he was walking in at that level? Very, very significant. But I'll tell you what, you know, <laughs> this is the same Peter who, when a couple named Ananias and Sapphira came and lied about how much, how much money they were giving, and Peter said, it doesn't matter how much money you're giving. That's not the point, but you can't lie. They fell dead. Uh, that's uh th- there's there's an accountability that goes with that with that level of authority, so there is a hint there that perhaps sometimes fewer words altogether is better <laughs> um, and oh yeah and and I will say the other thing is this: we have gotten so used to. Uh, switching opinions and fact or thinking that opinions equal fact that even many in in positions of governmental authority do it all the time now and they don't even necessarily realize it you know you start to realize that you know various ones have declared that this is caused by that and then they they actually have no real idea. It's just an opinion. They think it might be, uh, I, you know. We're starting to see the media, you know, pulling out some stuff around, you know, that Hunter Biden laptop and whatever all else. And you start to realize that a bunch of people made absolute point blank declarations a number of years ago about what was and wasn't so, and it turns out they were dead wrong. And now they won't walk it back. But the reality is they were dead wrong They just didn't know they were dead wrong They assumed they were right Because they used opinion instead of fact And then you get an entrenched position And now you can't walk it back How often do we do that? How often do we do that in minor areas In our, in our homes, in our marriages How often do we you know, come up with something That we're not really submitting to the Lord Let's look at Proverbs 18 Starting with verse 2 Fools have no interest in understanding. They only want to air their own opinions. Oh, there it is. <laughs> Verse 4. Wise words are like deep waters. Wisdom flows from the wise like a bubbling brook. Six. Fools' words get them into constant quarrels. They're asking for a beating. <laughs> okay, that's not politically correct. Do you know that the Bible is not overly politically correct? Yeah. Verse 7, the mouths of fools are their ruin. They trap themselves with their lips. Ooh, that's that. Back to that entrenched position thing. Now that I've said it, I can't walk it back. Number 8, rumors are dainty morsels that sink deep into one's heart. That's around gossip, which I'm really not even going to go into today. 13, spouting off before listening to the facts is both shameful and foolish. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Come on. Scripture is just so hard to understand, isn't it? Verse 19. An offended friend is harder to win back than a fortified city. Arguments separate friends like a gate locked with bars. Wise words satisfy like a good meal. The right words bring satisfaction. The tongue can bring death or life. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. Now, many of you will have learned that verse Uh, a little differently. Um, It'll be the power of life and death are in the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruit. Um, But, you know, when you bring it down to current English, those who love to talk will reap the consequence is what that means. I'm only going to take you through a couple of other ones for effect here. (laughs) Proverbs 15, verse 1. A gentle answer deflects anger, but harsh words make tempers flare. The tongue of the wise makes knowledge appealing, but the mouth of a fool belches out foolishness. Verse 4. Gentle words are a tree of life, and a deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. I got to tell you, there are so many. Like, we could spend the entire morning reading verses in Old and New Testament that talk about the things that we say, and our tongue, and what we ought to be saying, and how we ought to be saying it. When we say that the power of life and death are in the tongue, what does that even mean? Listen, have you ever had somebody give you a criticism that just hurt, and it wasn't fair, and you knew it, and they didn't? Feel that death? Have you ever had somebody come and tell you something that that you had done or said or just the way you looked that just lifted them up? And wow, it felt like a cool glass of water on a hot day. It just feels so good. And we can all see that. And And I'm telling you, it actually goes bigger than that. But yeah, the power of life and death. Um. And, and what we saw in James is he said that both really can't come from the same source, didn't he? So we really want to have one source that we're tapping into. James chapter 1, actually, verse 26 says, if you claim to be religious, let's, we don't like the word religious, right? So let's say if you claim to be a Christian, how about if we go there for a minute? If you claim to be a Christian but don't control your tongue, you're fooling yourself. And your Christianity is worthless. What? What? Look, we talked about this already briefly, but it's dangerous to speak with real authority in one realm and then speak out of your own wisdom in another. You know, people can't really tell what's the difference in your life. So let me give you a little caution I got last summer. Um, and this is for me. Uh, you might want to pick it up, but you might not. The Lord didn't give it to me as a, as a, this is for everybody. So you know how that is. Sometimes someone's called to something that somebody else isn't, and that's fair. I often say to people, you know, that John the Baptist was a Nazarite. He didn't cut his hair. He never had drink. He, you know, ate locusts and honey, and it was awful. And whatever. And Jesus wasn't. He ate and drank and he cut his hair and whatever, all else. So, you know, one has one call, another has another. That's fine. So, but I want you to consider it, okay? So the Lord gave me this really, really strong um, impression such that it was, it was very clear to me it was from the Lord and it was all in one piece all at one time. I, I think you guys know how that works, right? And it was this, be very careful that you know which things are kingdom and which things are political. And I thought, what's that all about? As, as Christians and as a church community, we will get involved at some level in politics. We should. We're part of this, of this world. We're in it even though we're not of it. If we simply pull back and let things happen, um, the Bible actually talks about a watchman who doesn't ring the alarm. And, and then he's held guilty. For, for the results of not having having run the alarm okay so we are in this culture we are to, to function in it uh, I would say that as Christians my own view would be that uh, you know things like voting and stuff are not an option you, you must do it um, and, and it is part of, of that responsibility that we have in this culture and some of us will even be called to run for office not me <laughs> um, at this point in time. I will never make an inner vow on it because that sounds like I'm challenging God and I don't want to do that because I will lose. <laughs> um, but, you know, uh, Chris was there. Murray has run. Um, others, others, me, run for office. That's, a, that's an important thing. Uh, it'd be wonderful to have lots of, of godly folks uh, in government. Although I, I will say this, government will not change the culture. The culture changes the government. So uh, we really need to start in our neighborhoods, and we really need to start by loving people into the kingdom. Um, and, and then we'll start getting godly people elected, and et cetera, et cetera, right? Uh, in the order of things. But what it really was for me was, I need to be so careful spouting off political opinions because I want you all to trust me when I'm up here teaching. I want to have an authority when I'm up here teaching that puts things in a way that, that it gets right into your spirit, into your heart, that, that the spirit of God is, is speaking through me and is giving you something useful for your life. So then if I come up here and also mix it with political opinion, or even if outside of this I mix it with political opinion, and you happen to disagree with me, or worse yet, you happen to agree with me, but I don't know what I'm talking about. Uh, it's going to cheapen this thing. And so, legitimately, the challenge to me was, and like I said, this is to me very specifically, but I think it, there's, there's some wisdom in it overall, which is be very careful that you know what is kingdom and what is politics, because I can tell you that uh, most of, for instance, what's happened through this COVID thing most of it is politics, not kingdom. And most of the things that we were angry about and disagreed with and didn't like and maybe even ignored were politics, not kingdom. And we make a mistake when we make a kingdom because suddenly the ones imposing those rules become members of the enemy's camp. And that may not be so. If it is, it's incidentally so. (laughs) It's not because of Right? So it's a very, very important um, distinction, and it, I think it matters when we talk about our words. Yeah. So the other thing is here, words expose our hearts, and they affect us, our own words. Did you know that? So Matthew 12, let's go to the New Testament here because the Proverbs have been very, very clear. <laughs> Matthew 12, verse 33. A tree is identified by its fruit. If a tree is good, its fruit will be good. If a tree is bad, its fruit will be bad. You brood of snakes. (laughs) How could evil men like you speak what is good and right? For whatever's in your heart determines what you say. This is Jesus speaking to the religious leaders of his day who honestly... Had gotten into this position where it was all about the brownie points you got for following the rules, and they had completely lost any part of the heart towards God. Okay? A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart, and an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. And I tell you this okay, this is universal, this statement. I tell you this. You must give an account on Judgment Day for every idle word you speak. The words you say will either acquit you or condemn you. So, here in the Old Testament, we're seeing a question of wisdom and foolishness around our words. And in the New Testament, Jesus' own words are actually acquitting and condemning in regards to the words that we speak. Our words affect us as we speak. Um, I just saw a little, uh, a little uh, uh, sermon from Bill Johnson. And, and he pointed out something about complaining that I thought was amazing. And it was this. Do you know that complaining is simply the language of unbelief? Do you know that? And complaining coming out of our mouths simply reinforces unbelief in our hearts unbelief in the idea that God is sovereign and that he is aware and that his plan is unfolding because when we complain we go yeah but I don't like it so therefore I don't believe that you are good I don't believe that you are in charge I don't believe that this is good and if this isn't good then you can't be good and it simply aligns with unbelief. And all complaining does that. Whether it's complaining about something big or something small, it effectively reinforces unbelief. And there's an interesting piece about unbelief. Uh, if we look at Second Corinthians 4.4... 4, says, Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. Complaining allows us to be blinded. Do you know that? If we start complaining, we won't be able to see the glory of God. Whoa. Do you know that complaining undermines your faith? We talk here all the time about God, build our faith, build our faith, build our faith, build our faith. If you complain, if those words come out of your mouth, you are undermining, undercutting the very foundation of faith and you will be blind. You won't be able to see what God is doing. The complaining itself will hold you and you can say, yeah, but you don't know what I'm going through. No, I don't. That's true but I can tell you that complaining isn't going to be your way out. It's only going to dig holes deeper. So what's the alternative? Well, guess where we started? If we are worshiping, if we are proclaiming the goodness of God, what are we getting? We're going to get a glimpse of his glory. And what's that going to do to our faith? It's going to build it up. So, what is the antidote to complaining? The antidote to complaining is praise. It's worship. And it's because we need it. And so my, my challenge to you, and by the way, I had a whole pile of other stuff here, but I think we've, we beat this thing pretty well already. Um, so I'm, I'm just going to say this. My challenge to all of us is be watching uh, for your own words, both in terms of, you know, those things that are just clearly uh, cutting, ungodly, selfish, whatever, but secondly, listen for the complaint because when you hear it, (laughs) you can repent quickly and I'd say go two to one. For every complaint you, 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 you heard yourself go, make sure you find two or three things to extol God on, to talk about his goodness, to talk about his mercy, to talk about his greatness the fact that nothing escapes his notice the fact that he is going to be coming back he is going to be filling filling the earth by the way some other ways to use your words uh, that really matter because if we're if we're careful with our words then we when we do this people will pay attention and that is sharing the gospel do you know that uh, nobody really wants to hear from somebody whose words they don't already trust about the goodness of God Um, We want to be constantly living in that. We want to be replacing all of those sort of negatives with the other. And when you find yourself doing it wrong, so when I find myself doing it wrong, that's okay. I just say, well, Lord, you still need to keep changing me because I ain't there yet. Um, We got a ways to go. But, But there's a process and there's a progress that comes with that. And and when you start seeing yourself, you know, falling into, like I say, you know, just, okay. I'm about to snap back here. Let me actually just pray in tongues for a second. I can do it quietly. Okay. You know, you'll be surprised at how often you don't have to say that thing that was front and center a minute ago. And you might even get some keys to what's causing... You know, some of, the, some of the tension in the first place. So, if I were going to give an assignment, which I'm not. <laughs> parents, you should go to your kids and say, point out to me anytime you hear me complain this week. Who's up for it? Who has kids at home? See, it's okay with me because I don't have kids at home anymore. <laughs> Ask your spouse to point out to you any they hear you complain this week just don't don't beat it to death just uh, that sounded like a complaint then don't snap back at them when they do it because for this week that will be wisdom next week probably not so much <laughs> yeah next week marriage counseling yeah <laughs> that's okay <laughs> yeah we're going to do the sign up sheet for the remedial counseling no this week Soften your heart and be willing to hear it just so you get a bit of a, a picture for what you sound like to other people. Is anybody up for that? Yeah? Okay. Uh, I'm up for it. You, you, you can point out when I complain this coming week. Yeah. I'll wait for her to invite me the other way. <laughs> wait to be invited. <laughs> Clarity. Wisdom. <laughs> wait to be invited. All right, um, Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that, that your word is actually clear when we look into it and that you want your word to come through our mouths, that you want to change our world even through what we declare. Hmm. Uh, I'm, uh, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you one more thing for free here. Um, there is a, a new language really that has been growing sort of in our evangelical circles, our charismatic circles, and that is the language of decrees. Do you know what a decree is? A decree is an establishment of a truth, right? It's the creation of a rule or the establishment of a truth that is. Who has the right to do that? Well, various people in various spheres, right? King could make a decree and it was carried out, had authority. But I'm going to suggest to you that, uh, you know, if Rafi comes over to his parents tomorrow and says, I decree that my new bedtime is 10.30 at night, they will giggle, actually. <laughs> and then they will maybe explain to him a little bit about spheres of authority in a way that a child can understand like, ah, no way, buddy. <laughs> and, and that's about it. So when we are in prayer or when we are making prophetic declarations and we're going to make a decree, what's important to know? What's your sphere of authority in this area? Because you can't actually decree things for which you have no authority. I just, I just want you to know. Then it just becomes a throwaway phrase and it's meaningless religion. And it's a word I care about. So, again, back to this authority thing, I want us to be able to make decrees. I want us to be able to make things. I, I would love to be able to decree right now that Spruce Grove is a cancer-free zone. I would love to be able to do that. And when the Spirit of God tells me to do it, I will do it. And he will establish it. Okay? Okay? But if I do it on my own it's just noise did you know that so sorry but uh, I, I just mm, I just think it's so important that we get this stuff right because when we make a decree we want it to stick because <laughs> it's a decree it's not a request we can make requests all day right it's good to do because outside of my sphere of authority that's what I've got the first thing, by the way, to do is just to ask him what requests to make, <laughs> which is really cool, because he actually knows what needs to happen way better than we do. So you ask him what it is you'd like me to request, and then, then you can request it, and if he gives you the Ezekiel thing, you know, where, where with Ezekiel, he actually told him to make declarations, and then Ezekiel actually did. He, he spoke to the dry bones, and he said, he, he, here it says, um, the Lord took hold of me and I was carried away the spirit of the Lord to a valley filled with bones. He led me all around among the bones that covered the valley floor and they were scattered everywhere across the ground and were completely dried out. Then he asked me, son of man, can these bones become living people again? "O oh, sovereign Lord, I replied, you alone know the answer to that. So there you go, some humility to start with. Then he said to me, speak a prophetic message to these bones and say, dry bones, listen to the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Look, I'm going to put breath into you and make you live again. I'll put flesh and muscles on you and cover you with skin. I'll put breath into you and you'll come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I spoke this message just as he told me. And suddenly as I spoke, there was a rattling noise across the valley. And the bones of each body came together and attached themselves as complete skeletons. Then as I watched, muscles and flesh formed over the bones. And then skin formed to cover their bodies. But they still had no breath in them. Then he said to me, speak a prophetic message to to the wind, son of man. Speak a prophetic message and say, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, O breath, from the four winds. Breathe into these dead bodies so they may live again. So I spoke the message as he commanded me, and breath came into their bodies, and they all came to life and stood up on their feet, a great army. We can decree what the Lord has said. That's where our authority comes from to speak. And oh my goodness, can he do amazing things? Will he do amazing things when we speak forward what he says to say? So let's purpose to worship him. Let's purpose to dedicate our tongues to him and only him. And um, let's purpose not to undermine our own faith with complaint. So that when he says to speak these things, we speak them and they come to be in Jesus' name. Amen.